And we're in the third chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. I want you to pretend with me tonight, let's pretend that tomorrow your banker calls you and he says, I've got some good news for you. An anonymous donor has made arrangements to place in your account every morning 86,400 pennies. No strings attached. Every morning he's going to put in your account $864.86,400 pennies. The only stipulation is that you spend every penny of it in the 24-hour period so that the next morning what has not been spent will be canceled. You do a quick tabulation, 864 times 7 times 52, that's $315,000 a year. That's not chopped liver. If you get all this, you get this $315,000 in a year, the only stipulation is that you spend that money every day on that 24-hour period, anything left over is canceled. Now let's quit, let's stop pretending. Let's cut this off. Okay, we'll use this. We're gonna stop pretending and get serious. Suppose somebody gives you 86,400 seconds every morning. That's 1,440 minutes, 24 hours. Somebody has done that, somebody does do that. And God gives you this time, 86,400 seconds to use it, only one stipulation is that you can't carry it over on credit. Somebody says that life is like a coin. You can spend it however you want to, but you can only spend it once. And every morning, and you get up, God gives you as a stewardship 86,400 seconds to live. Can't carry them over till the next day. The fascinating thing about time is that we all have the same amount of it. Nobody has more than 24 hours in a day. We all have the same amount. That's true with the adolescent, it's true with the adult. It's true with the common laborer, it's true with the President of the United States. Think how much time is woven into the fabric of our being and how much conversation revolves around the word time. How much time is left? That's what some of you are wondering. How much time is left? What time is it? Don't waste time. It's time to go. Time out. So that there's hardly, uh, you know, a conversation that you uh, engage in with anybody that you don't use the word time. And time moves on and affects us all. It's amazing how uh, time is variable to us. You know, sometimes it seems like it's flying, sometimes it drags on. Um, there's a difference in the two weeks that you spend in vacation and the two weeks you're on a diet. You've noticed that. And you, you go to a football game on one side of the field, the coach glances up at the clock and he's saying to himself, I wish that clock would hurry up. It seems like it's just dragging. And he's, he's just hoping it'll hurry. On the other side of the field, 
The coach is thinking, I wish that thing would slow down. It seems like it's going double time. Time, what is it? A definition of time. A t- time is a stretch of duration in which things happen. A stretch of duration in which things happen. A lot of things. Why is time so important? Time is important because it is so rare. It's irretrievable. There's no such thing as a replay. I'm sure that all of us at some time or another have wished that we could go back and do it over again, relive it. If we could just have a replay of yesterday and we'd do it differently. But there is no replay. It's rare. It's valuable. It's irretrievable. And it has eternity wrapped up in it so that Eternity is affected by what we do with time today. Will we have time forever? I want to reserve the answer to that question in the outline to the end of this sermon. When will it end? Will we have it forever? Now when we finished chapter 2, the author of the book of Ecclesiastes was, was asking some questions in his search for meaning in life. And he came to the conclusion that a person cannot even eat, can't eat or laugh without God. That, that, that he doesn't even have the enjoyment of a good appetite without God. And in this flash, sudden flash of insight, this man who is looking for some meaning to life under the sun has come to the conclusion that without God a man cannot find fulfillment and enjoyment in life. And he doesn't leave it there. And he takes a knife, as it were, and he just kind of cuts through life. He cuts across it to discover what life it involves and what life is about. And that's where we are. This famous passage that is read, you know, in every funeral. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. We are the recipients of birth and death. You ever noticed how what depressed how depressed people talk? I talked this week to someone who is deep in deep depression, has depressive illness. The questions that people ask when they're depressed are twofold. Why was I born? Why was I born? And why can't I die? For when you boil life down to its basics, we are the recipients of birth and death, and that just about sums it up. There's a time to give birth and a time to die. There is a time to plant. You don't mess around with that. You cooperate with nature. You don't take your seeds and go out in the you know in January and plant your garden. You cooperate with nature. There's a time to plant. And there's a time to uproot. It's true of personality, the the uprooting of self. And some of us think that we have our roots down and we're going to be here forever and things are going to continue as they always have. And then there comes those times of uprooting and the shaking of life. There is a time to kill and a time to heal so that life is strangely fixed between the slaughterhouse and the hospital between the murderer and the physician, between Omar Gaddafi and Mother Teresa, there are those who try to heal and those who try to kill. There's a time to tear down and a time to build up. 
so that as you drive down the street, on one side of the street is a demolition crew tearing down the building. On the other side of the street is a construction crew building up one. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. C.S. Lewis says that pain is God's megaphone. He whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Some of you are experiencing the shouting of pain. Are you weeping these days? Are you experiencing sorrow these days? Are you scarred by a doubt about God being this wonderful Father with a plan? There's a time to laugh. I love to laugh. I think one of the best things about a person is a sense of humor. Sometimes I may, you know, overdo it a little bit. Cut up a little too much about back moments in time and, and all that stuff, but I love to laugh. Spurgeon once said, there are things in my sermon that cause people to smile, what of it? This preacher, he said, is not sure of laughter being a sin. I think, it's a, it, I think it less a crime to bring momentary laughter than a half hour of profound slumber. I, I do too. I think it'd be better to laugh a moment than to have an hour of profound slumber. Heard about this preacher who he, he resigned his pulpit and became an undertaker, funeral director. Somebody asked him why he did it. He said, well, he said, I've been trying to straighten people out. He said, I tried my best, straighten them out, straighten them out, straighten them out. He said, now when I straighten them out, they stay straight. <laughs> they stay straight. There's a time to laugh and, and there's a time to weep. There's a time to mourn, and I've seen some of you as families leaning hard on one another and mourning. And I've seen some of you in the exhilaration of laughter and, and, and dance. That's it's the idea of, of the most, uh, you know, the happiest you've ever been. There's a time when you go to the extreme of mourning and it seems like you'll never smile again. And then there are those times when it's, you know, you're just on a mountaintop. Those things in verse 5 go together, both of them. A time to throw stones and a time to gather, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. What he's saying is this, there's a time of affirmation and a time of confrontation. And we need them both. A time to affirm one another, a time to affirm your children. I asked a kid this week what he liked best about his coach. He said, the thing I like best about our coach is that when we do wrong, he tells us. When we do right, he tells us. A time of confirmation and confrontation. A time to search and a time to give up searching. When I read this, I think of those people looking for an airplane that's lost. And finally one day someone says, it's time to quit the search. There's a time to keep at the project and to keep on dreaming and to keep on pushing and to keep on demanding and there's a time to back away and say no more. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. And I think of my garage. All those things in the boxes I've moved from place to place and never taken them out of the box and I moved in 1970, you know. And there's a time to throw away. There's some time to rid yourself of the excess baggage of life, to establish some priorities, 
There are some things you need to throw away and I need to throw away to get down to the basics, to the important things. And there are some things you need to keep forever. There are some things you need to hold on to. There's a time to love. I mean really love. We talk about it. It's the most used and misused word in the English language. There's a time to love and there's a time to hate acts of injustice and inequities. Abraham Lincoln said the first time I saw a teenage girl being sold as a slave, there was this rising hatred inside of me and I slammed my, hand in my, my fist in my hand and said, if I ever have a chance, I'll hit that and I'll hit it hard. There's some things sometimes we need to hate. There's a time of war when tyranny runs roughshod over other nations. That's a time of war. We live in a volatile time and there's a time for peace. Are you a peacemaker? Do you keep the unity of, uh, of the Spirit in the bond of peace or are you stirring up conflict? There's a time for everything under the heavens. And then he comes to two all-encompassing questions. One question is verbalized, the other is implied. Look at this. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? What profit is it? What benefit is it? What reason is there to this day God gives me? If in the morning he hands out to me 86,400 seconds, what profit is there? What, what use is that to me? What benefit, you see? Now the implication here, and I want us to see this carefully, watch this, that if you're looking for life under the sun, for meaning to life under the sun, there is no profit to the days, to the seconds, to the hours. I believe this, I want you to you know, think on this. Time that is not used for the glory of God is wasted. So that if God gives you tomorrow and it's not used for the glory of God, what profit is it? Some say that, that what happens on these, these uh, inevitable experiences of life, what, 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 what one does is cancel out the other and the bottom line is zero so that God gives you this life, this time, but when you draw the bottom line, it's all zero, it amounts, it amounts to nothing. That's true if life is not lived for the glory of God. Second question, what is the purpose? Where is it going? You won't learn that answer from a university. A university gives you questions, but you'll not learn the answer to that from the university, the purpose the purpose of time is that man might take time that's given him, use it to the glory of God. Now some conclusions. Verses 10 and, through 11, 10 and 11. I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate. And there's a little footnote in my, my Bible, perhaps yours. He has made everything beautiful in its time he has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. Some two conclusions. God has made everything appropriate in its time. 
He's made everything beautiful in its time. There's a little chorus. You've heard it. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me every day as you're teaching me your way that you do just what you say in your time. He makes everything appropriate in his time. You see, our problem is not so much what happens to us, but the problem is perspective after it happens. So that if a person does not see the events of life, the gathering and the the scattering, the weeping and the laughter, if he doesn't see that from God's perspective, he can't see purpose and tragedy. And he can't see reason and calamity. But when he sees through God's eyes, when he has that perspective, he sees everything beautiful in its time. And he sees that even the uprooting is appropriate. And he sees the time of killing is appropriate. And he sees the time of weeping and mourning is appropriate. He sees those times, even those times, beautiful. And he discovers that indeed all things do work together for good to them that love God. And the conclusion is this, that if a man seeks his purpose and meaning in life in God, then everything that happens he sees that is beautiful and appropriate. It's good because it's from God. And the second thing is, the second conclusion is this, that he has set eternity in our hearts without which we'll not find answers. Now, what does that term eternity in our hearts mean? It, it means this. What he's saying is that God has given us a curiosity about our future. He's given us a curiosity about our future. And he puts within our heart a curiosity about tomorrow. So that man is not content to judge life on the basis of today. He judges life on the basis of the larger perspective and the longer perspective. And he begins to see life in terms of tomorrow and eternity. One of the biggest problems I think we have is that we, you know, that, that's going to, eternity is, you know, light years away from us. And he puts this curiosity in our hearts so that, that we begin to live life and plan life and discover life and, and recognize life as it relates to the eternal plan of God for us. And what is the conclusion of all of it? The conclusion of all of it is that life is very brief and we need to live it while we have time to live it. So that question, will we have time forever? No, we won't have time forever. I want you to think tonight of how many people who have died who are younger than you are. That'll encourage you. Turn you on. I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the age now, I can look at the obituaries and, 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 and discover that most people, you know, a, a large number of people die younger than I am. We're not going to have time forever. I wish I could preach like a black man. James Johnson was a black preacher and he, 
he wrote the work God's Trombones. That's what it, let me read this at the end. In that great day, people, in that great day, God's going to rain down fire. God's going to sit in the middle of the air to judge the quick and the dead. Early one of these mornings, God's going to call for Gabriel, that tall, bright angel Gabriel. And God's going to say to him, Gabriel, blow your trumpet and wake the living nations. And Gabriel's going to ask him, Lord, how loud must I blow it? And God's going to tell him, Gabriel, blow it calm and easy. Then putting one foot on the mountaintop and the other in the middle of the sea, Gabriel's going to stand and blow his horn to wake the living nations. Then God's going to say to him, Gabriel, once more blow your silver trumpet and wake the nations underground. And Gabriel's going to ask him, Lord, how loud must I blow it? And God's going to tell him, Gabriel, like seven peals of thunder. Then the tall, bright angel Gabriel will put one foot on the battlements of heaven and, and the other on the steps of hell and blow the trumpet till he shakes old hell's foundations. And I feel old earth is shuddering. I see the graves are bursting and I hear a sound, a bone chilling sound. What sound is that I hear? It's the clicking together of the dry bones, bone to bone, the dry bones. And I see coming out of the bursting graves and marching up the valley of death, the army of the dead. And the living and the dead in the twinkling of an eye are caught up in the middle of the air before God's judgment bar. Oh, sinner, where will you stand? In that great day when God's gonna rain down fire. Oh, gambling man, where will you stand? You whoremongering man, where will you stand? Liars and backsliders, where will you stand in that day when God's going to rain down fire? And God will divide the sheep from the goats, the one on the right, the other on the left, and to them on the right, God's going to say, enter into my kingdom. And those who've come through great tribulations and washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, they will enter in clothed in spotless white with starry crowns upon their heads and silver slippers on their feet and harps within their hands. And two by two they'll walk up and down the golden street, feasting on the milk and honey, singing new songs of Zion, chattering with the angels all around the great white throne. And to them on the left, God's going to say, Depart from me into the everlasting darkness, down into the bottomless pit, and the wicked, like lumps of lead, will start to fall. Headlong for seven days and nights they'll fall, plumb into the black, big black, red-hot mouth of hell, belching out fire and brimstone. And their cries like howling, yelping dogs will go up with the fire and smoke from hell, but God will stop his ears. Too late, sinner, too late. Goodbye, sinner, goodbye. In hell, sinner, in hell, beyond the reach of the love of God. And I hear a voice crying, crying, time shall be no more. Time shall be no more. Time shall be no more. And the sun will go out like a candle in the wind. The moon will turn to dripping blood. The stars will fall like cinders. And the sea will burn like tar. And the earth shall melt away and be dissolved. And the sky will roll up like a scroll with the wave of his hand. God will blot out time and start the wheel of eternity.
Sinner, oh sinner, where will you stand in that great day when God's going to rain down fire? We won't have time with us always. Because time is such a precious thing, we need to live it while we can. And the way to live it is above the sun. Let's pray together. Father, we know that of all the moments this we've ever lived, this is the most important because this is the moment you've given us to live. And that you deal out, dole out life a breath at a time, a second, a moment at a time. Father, I pray that in this precious moment of time, we'll do what you would have us do. For I pray in Jesus' name. There's a time tonight for you, perhaps to make a decision. You'd like to come and receive Christ or to join this church or to recommit your life to Him. Why don't you do that now while you have time? While we stand to sing, come.